what you want for me. Oh, I want what you want for me. As he comes, let's sing only believe. Only believe. Oh, only believe. Oh, all things are possible if you only believe. Oh, only believe. Oh, believe. All things. God bless you. First off, I have uh, some announcements. We have, don't forget, communion is next week. So spend this week, you know, in prayer, making sure everything is uh, you're where you need to be. Um, we are, I know we're missing some people, but we are still having lunch today. Do not forget, uh, because there's probably going to be a lot of food and not a lot of people. So. Everybody is welcome. Lunch directly after service. Let's start in prayer and then we will read our scripture. And Father, I thank you for giving me this opportunity to once again stand behind this sacred desk and let you use me to bring your word to your children, Lord. And I just ask Jesus that you will just let me step aside and you step forward and just use my voice to bring this message the way that you have intended. I ask that you just inhabit each and every one of us, open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our hearts that we can take this with us no matter what life throws at us this next week i ask lord that i ask that you just plant this seed deep into our heart that it will not just stay with us that we will share it with other people that we will see what you have in store for us from your word right here this morning please be with those that are not here today lord just Meet them where they are and just anoint those services that they are in and, and be with Brother Sam as he brings your message to to another church this morning. Just anoint him, Lord, and, and just fall so heavily on that church they cannot deny your presence there and give them safe traveling graces back home so that we can fellowship with them again this week. And And I, and I ask that you bless the reading of your word. And I thank you for what you're going to do, what you have done, and what you are doing in our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to start off in Joshua 
24. Way up here at the beginning. 24 and 14. This is a, a familiar verse. We should all know. <coughs> Excuse me. Know this one. 24 and 14. And 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites, in those land ye dwell, in whose land ye dwell, but as for me, and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can be seated. <coughs> I got a catch in my throat. So we're going to title this today, Choose This Day. Now, um, when it talks about just some, I guess you could say, historical and translation stuff here, the it says the uh, on the other side of the flood, that was not so much speaking of that flood, but it's just using that as um, a river. So on the other side of the river, before they crossed the Jordan and came into the promised land, serve those gods or serve the Lord. And it sounds like a pretty simple question. Everybody here is like, well, Matt, that's a pretty, pretty easy thing to do. I mean, we don't have you know, that temptation anymore as much. We don't have people running around being bell worshipers. We don't have people, they're there, but there's also, and this is where I think that we really need to pay attention and be careful um, of what we listen to and what we, uh, maybe other preachers that we watch, because people have created through denominationalism um, a different Jesus. There's a different Jesus. Well, well, you know, my Jesus wouldn't do that, or my God wouldn't do this, or uh, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but if it's not this Jesus, if this is not the one that we're talking about. If it's not, I mean, it's clearly spelled out in black and white. If that's not who you're talking about, then it's not the Lord. It's not the Lord of the Bible. I've been, those of you that know me and, um, you know, like I said, I grew up Baptist and then I was a different, it was Baptist, but it's a different kind of Baptist in when I was stationed in Virginia and then uh, just kind of bounced around for a while and then didn't go anywhere and then was uh, Pentecostal for a while and then now we're here. And uh, you you meet not just different people, but it's a different God of the Bible that they preach. And they go, oh, well, that was Old Testament, so that doesn't matter. That's New Testament, so... 
So that's all that we need to listen to. But Hebrew says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we can't leave out the Old Testament either. But you have to realize, so I grew up kind of, it was kind of this, and my wife and I talk about it a lot, that the God of the Old Testament hated me, and Brother Branham said it, uh, Brother Branham said it too, and and Jesus of the New Testament loves me, and that's just kind of this this thought process because we go, well, I mean, look, he he called down fire on people, and and he flooded the whole earth, and he you know left only this one family, and I mean, it was just one thing after another, demolished whole cities, and you're like, that's just a God of vengeance and and hate. But when you look at why it was. So just Sodom and Gomorrah, and when Abraham was sitting there, and he's like, if, I fi- if, if, if we find 10 righteous, if we find 20 righteous, if we find two righteous, I mean, he just keeps going. And I've always, I've always wondered if he had said, if we find one righteous person, and if you look at the way that it was going and all that God did for Abraham and how he blessed Abraham, it would have been spared and that does not fall into the line of, well, the God of the old Testament hates me, but Jesus of the new Testament loves me. So, but, but if he was going to do that for Abraham and do all that to save such an unrighteous and just unholy city, then he would do the same today. But it's how we approach that just like Joshua says here in 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And when we start changing the way that we look at God and we start creating our own God to fit our needs, it's no longer in truth. And there there is no sincerity there. You don't, you don't, you're not sincere about how it is. You're just trying to put him into a box to fit your needs. So choose this day, choose today who you serve. Elijah said, if Baal be God, then serve God. If, if the Lord be God, then serve the Lord. But who today? So my plan here, and I love that I got a couple extra minutes. I was joking before service and I said, uh, well, I mean, we might just have a short service because, um, My notes have changed a lot the way that I write notes. I normally write down my thoughts and my notes, and and I kind of keep up with the way that this cord is choking me. And I'll have my thoughts on there, and then I have to read a lot, and I almost feel like I get get more lost in my notes than where I need to be. So I was like, man, we might not be here long, and then – we have a short song service and then I'm like, man, we really might not be here long. And then my wife was like, I said, I might not have a lot to talk about. And she said, I doubt that. So everybody in here can, and, and I know I ask this a lot and you might go, well, Matt, you ask that so much, but I need 
not just for you to believe it here, but I want you to believe it here. So everybody can believe with me and, and understand with me that everything in here is divinely inspired. It was written by man, but it was mouthed by the word of God, correct? God came down and he told them what to write. I know a lot of the times that I come up here, it almost feels like I'm just stepping on people's toes. And uh, I might offend somebody and, or somebody might take it as offense. I'm not, please understand, I'm not intentionally trying to offend people. Um, I would never do that. I would never come up here and try to air out dirty laundry or problems I have with anybody else in here. I'll just use Joseph. He's my friend. If Joseph and I are having an issue, I'm not going to come up here and preach for 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, however long it is, and the whole time just be hammering on Joseph because I think he did me wrong. But sometimes, and we saw it when Brother Joe was here, when Brother Andrew's here, sometimes things are said from up here that might be something that you talk to God about in your prayer time. And then you go, oh, well, Matt must have just been talking to or Brother Sam was talking to Joe before he came and preached up here. And that's how he that's how he knew about this. Um, well, like when Brother Andrew was here, we only saw him when he was here. He did not stay with Brother Sam. He did not. So things that are said from up here, if God is in it, sometimes it might step on our toes a little bit. 2 Timothy 3.16. I just need everybody. We're going to build a little bit of a foundation here, and then we'll get into. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Sometimes things will be said that you might take. Hey, Matt, that was a little too close to home. Hey, Brother Sam, I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't appreciate this. I don't appreciate that. Um, understand nobody stands up here to personally attack anybody. Understand that, please. But it is done for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So back to our topic, choosing this day. We all have things that rear their ugly head. And we might not think that they're that ugly, but they rear up and they come in between our fellowship with Jesus. Whether that be your phone, whether that be TV, the ball game. I know last year, for the past couple of years, I've coached my son's base baseball team. And last year, it seemed like I couldn't get anything done. I was either always at baseball and then 
um, games were on Wednesday nights, so I couldn't go to those. Some of the games were on Wednesday nights. And then I just, I was running around so much and I was so busy. And I'm like, it's nothing that, there's nothing bad at coaching my son's baseball team, but my time has been stretched so many different places. I'm not able to give enough time to the baseball team. I'm not able to give enough time to church. I'm not able to give enough time to my, you know, personal Bible reading at home. I was just, just by one little thing. And that is, that is, we have to choose. You have to choose what is more important to you and what is more important in your life. Is it doing these things that there is nothing wrong? There is nothing sinful. There is nothing that is the only thing that was wrong with me so much coaching his team was the fact that it was pulling me away from church, my friends, my, my brothers and sisters, and pulling me, you know, from being able, I'd just get home and I'd be whooped. So you have to try to fit it in or you're trying to read your Bible real fast. And then, I mean, what does that really do? You're really only just reading a novel at that point because you're not studying and you're not trying to see what God is going to pull off the page for you. This suit coat might not last much longer, just so everybody knows. In 1954, the, uh, the Invasion of the United States is the title. Brother Branham tells of a story that his little girl was playing with another little girl in their neighborhood. The other little girl's parents found out that she was William Branham's daughter, and he says, Oh, brother, my wife was standing there crying. I said, Sweetheart, it's a separating line. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Though all the world gives way, still, Jesus Christ, if I have to be called a fanatic, if, if I have to be shunned by my kinsmen, my fellow man, and things like that, I still choose Jesus Christ. Hold to God's unchanging hand. When earthly friends forsake you, still more closely to him cling. Hold to him. Little kids can get along with about anybody. The only time that a little kid might look at somebody and be like, oh, well, I can't talk to you because this, because that, is because their parents have put that thought in their head. We have a problem with listening to those around us, listening to maybe those that we we hold esteemed. We hold them to a higher standard because maybe they have this or they have that. Oh, well, they've. They studied the Bible all their life, or they, they went to this university, or they went to that university. I mean, if you had the option, we'll just say you have an option, and you have to have brain surgery, and you go, oh, well, this person went to Harvard Medical School. He's been doing brain surgery for 45 years. He's the best in the world, or this guy got his medical degree from Butler Community College. Honestly, who's everybody going to choose? You're going to go with the guy with the better degree. We've been taught that to look at that piece of paper and go, that, now granted, don't get me wrong, Harvard is a great medical school, and I'm sure that he is a great doctor, but we cannot go just strictly off of man's opinion. 
Because how many times have we we seen, and those of you that have been on earth a little bit longer than me, how many times have we seen, we'll just say an evangelist that's been brought up and shot to the top and everybody's like, whatever he says, we have to believe it. And then the fall from grace or they start, uh, well, you don't need to, that, that, that doesn't, th- this page doesn't apply anymore. And then, uh, you know, all, all that stuff back here about that. No, that's not that, that I, I don't understand that. So you don't need to learn that. We need to always go back to this book. And that's where it gets hard. Because your mom, your dad, your your grandpa, your brothers, your sisters, they might have been doing this a long time. They might have different beliefs than you. They might say, oh, well, we'll just second Timothy two sixteen there or three sixteen. It says all scriptures given by inspiration, but Mark sixteen wasn't. So we just need to we we need to take that out. That's not as important. Um, we've learned brother Branham tells a story of a young man that his, you know, he went off to college and his mom, you know, called him to come home to, cause some, uh, she, or she was sick and they, and they, uh, she was dying. They call him and he's like, I can't make it. And then he ends up coming home later on. And he's like, mom, what happened? Like, how'd you get better? And she said, you know, I was reading my Bible and Mark 16 jumped off the page and I just, I I prayed to be healed and they laid hands on me and here I am. And he said, well, we've learned in our seminary that that wasn't divinely inspired. So we don't even teach that anymore. But it works. Brother Sam was preaching in Knoll, Missouri right now. He got asked, uh, to go preach some meetings down there. And last night, he was talking about Wikipedia used to say, when you talked about Brother Branham, you'd look up Brother Branham, and it would say that he, the angel of the Lord was with him. It was very vindicated. Everybody saw it. But later on in his ministry, he went off of, he went off his doctrine, um, but nobody understood it because the angel of the Lord was still there and people were still getting healed. God is not going to move in the wrong thing. God is not going to vindicate his word if you're not teaching the word. If you are teaching apostasy and you're not teaching what the Bible says, you're twisting twisting it to fit your own agenda, he's not going to be in that. He's going to move away from that, and you're going to have these issues. So how can you say, oh, well, I believe 2 Timothy 3.16, but I don't believe Mark 16.18? I believe I believe that. I've seen it. We had our testimonies from the camp that we had this last weekend. Um, I mean, I met people that 
had a glassy eye because it didn't work anymore. It was milky, and now it's clear. I met people that had neurological disorders, and I watched her walk through that prayer line like this and walk out the other side. And the doctor said, I don't know what it is. There ain't nothing that we, we you're just going to have to live with it. Made as long as I could. Sorry. Matthew 6, 24. If y'all don't know anything about me, I am going to jump all over the place. And you will learn where certain scriptures are because we're like a, a Bible squad here. We're gonna we're gonna th- we're gonna be a bunch of Bible thumpers and find our find our scriptures. Matthew six twenty four. No man can serve two masters. Now I don't know about your Bible, but mine's in red here. So we're this is Jesus talking. For either he will hate the one. And love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the actual translation of mammon here is the world or money. Now, this comes just after Jesus is speaking on not to lay your treasures here on earth, to lay them up in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt. And so you go, well, Matt, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't love money. I don't. I don't love the world. I I just, I just like to, you know, partake in this, or I like to partake in that. And I'm not, now please understand, I'm not saying that we need to just sit in a hole and never leave these pews and you can't have a job and you can't, you can't do all these things. And I do understand that because we still have things and God gives us that job. There's no way, there's no way that I should have the job that I have for the amount of work that I do to make the money that I do other than God putting me in that position. Okay. So I'm not saying that, please understand that. What I am saying is when you have the option to come to church or to stay at home and watch TV, when you have the option to come be in the presence of the Lord or go to a football game, I love football. I umpire football. I played football through high school. I umpire football. Um, but when I have the option of being here with all of y'all or watching a football game, I would much rather be here. I would much rather spend time with my brothers and sisters in Christ and to sit in his presence, to sit at his feet, to learn something from him but there's so many people that would much rather watch baseball or football or hockey or, I don't know, watch TV. I like that show Mandalorian. The new episodes come out on Wednesdays. So what's more important to you? Watching your favorite TV show? Brother Branham talked about the same thing. There was a show that was new and everybody loved it. And it came out on Wednesday nights and people started not coming to church so that they could stay home and watch TV. So what are you going to choose? I've seen too much. I've seen too much to choose anything over Jesus. 
I've seen too much in my life. I've seen too much in other people being healed of things. I've seen too much of people just walking. There is nothing special about any of the prayer lines, the, the men that are in the prayer line, but it's God coming down because we are doing what the scripture says. We got together, we anointed them with oil, we lay hands on them, and they shall be healed. My Bible doesn't say might. My Bible doesn't say it at some it says they shall be, they will. That's a promise. You can stand on that promise because God said it and he cannot lie. So who are you going to choose? Who do you choose? The one that can literally create everything, the architect of the universe, or anything else? Anything else? Anything other than this? Galatians 1. My little cheater tabs were getting frayed, so I had to trim them, and now they're too short, and I can't flip through. Y'all are going to beat me to some of my scriptures. Galatians 1 and 6. Now, we know, so Galatians was written around 49 or 52 A.D., that's a long time ago. I mean, that's almost 2,000 years ago. 1,900 and some change. But I want you to listen as you read this, as I read this, and see if it does not fit today perfectly. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now that word pervert, the English language, is, we've really messed it up. We associate it with one thing or the other. But pervert is nothing but change it from its original source. Cotton candy grapes, those are perverted grapes. Because a grape does not taste like cotton candy. Anything GMO, technically, by definition, they are perverted, okay? I'm real big on definitions. Maybe it's just my last name. Maybe that's why I'm big on definitions. But we have, as a society, Satan has come in and he's literally perverted the definition of pervert. Because now when we hear it, we go, oh, that's just, I mean, you can, also, you can almost, when I said, the definite, when I said pervert, you probably automatically could profile somebody and you're like, uh, that's this kind of person that does this, that does this, that looks like this. Everybody can. Everybody. Because society has changed that. I talked about it a couple months ago. One, the Ox, I believe it's the Oxford English Dictionary has literally taken the word sin out as if it doesn't exist anymore. Language has changed so much over the years that when we read stuff like this, there's people that would automatically go, nope, I can't read that because it says pervert. 
8. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have received, let him be accursed. And here's the important part, and I think here's what really gets a lot of churches around America today and a lot of us inside of the church is not just the minister of the church, the pastor of the church, but for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. You cannot understand any of the words that are in between these my two leather-bound covers here if you do not have your own revelation. You cannot borrow the revelation. It cannot be your brother's revelation. cannot be your grandfather's revelation. cannot be your neighbor's revelation, your mom's revelation. It has to be yours, yours and yours alone. And how do we get that revelation? We have to sit down and talk to Jesus. He still speaks audibly if you're willing to listen. That's a big problem that I think we have. A lot of churches nowadays, all they want to do is they want to make everybody happy. So if somebody gets offended by me saying the word pervert, I can't say it anymore. If somebody gets offended because I use a King James Bible, I can't do that anymore. Let me tell you something. There's only 30-ish people in here. There are 30 different opinions, right? You might like King James. You might only like English Standard. You might not be able to read. So how can you, how can one person, he can read, I just want to, how can one person as the pastor of a church make everybody happy other than not even opening this? The only way that you could make everybody happy is you sprinkle in a little bit of scripture, just enough to keep those people happy, but not enough to offend anybody. But it can only be the happy scriptures that, oh, well, Jesus loves me, and he was a lamb, and don't say anything about the crucifixion. There are whole translations of the Bible that have taken out the word blood because it was offensive. How can you, in your right mind, claim to be a Christian, which is Christ-like, and say, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm going to take out the word blood when we are a blood-bought church. If it wasn't for the blood, next time you spend some time reading your Bible, try to read it, and anytime you hit the word blood or sacrifice or covenant, you got to take it out. Because in the Old Testament, that's the way they made a covenant. They'd cut the lamb in half between two pieces. You met in between the two pieces, and you would make your covenant. There's a lot of blood when you cut an animal in half. So choose today. 
not just who you're going to serve, but who are you going to follow? What are you going to believe? I have not had. I've been coughing a little bit, but it normally goes away. Last night, it hit me pretty hard. And then, of course, this morning. And I know Satan's just trying to get me to shut up, but he's a liar and he's defeated. It amazes me how much I am nobody. There is nothing super special about me. I'm my name is, you know, my name is not known around the world for being some great evangelist. This church in a town of 500 people, we don't have any big name celebrities. You know, why would Satan want to stop us as much as he does? I find that also every time that he tries to do something like that. Um, mad, then you're probably doing the right thing. I mean, let's just be honest. If he wants to shut you up, if he wants to keep you in chains, if he wants to convince you that you're in chains, because, I mean, Aaron sang it today, Jesus breaks every fetter. Uh, that word every leaves nothing out, just like all simple three-letter word, all, that leaves nothing out. The power behind a word like all should be awe-inspiring because it leaves nothing out. James 4, we'll jump over there real fast. Whoops. James 4 and 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I don't know if you've picked up on what we're talking about. I don't know if if, if it's sinking in yet. So I, I just, if you are a friend of the world, if you are following things of the world, and I'm not saying friends of people because we're told to go out and, and fellowship. We're told to go out and preach the gospel. We have to go out and tell people. Uh, we need to share our testimony. But it's when we start putting the world and its desires, like I said, not even, everybody goes, oh, well, Matt, I'm not addicted to those things. I'm not. I don't do drugs. I don't do, I'm not talking about the, the, the things that we put that stock into as worldly desires. I'm talking about the simple stuff. Like, you know, I, I, I heard that, uh, the fish are really, really biting today and it's, it's a really nice day. We just got this warm streak. So they're going to come closer to top water to warm up a little bit. And Old Jim was going to let me borrow his boat. So should I go to church or should I go fishing? Well, I my church is when I'm on the water and it's just me and him and I can just spend time with God. You're right. I love fishing. There's probably not many people in here that, I mean, my dream job 
would to get be get paid to fish. I love hunting because I like to be able to go by myself and sit in the woods quietly and spend time in God's unadulterated creation. Man has not come in and messed it up. The trees are where they were put. The deer, the turkeys, the chipmunks, the squirrels that are so annoying, the river cutting through it, it's how God placed it when he laid it out. I love spending time there. But if I have the option of coming here or going to a meeting somewhere that I know God's going to show up or going and sitting on the lake, what should I choose? Those are the things I'm talking about. Those are the things that were, were oh, well, you know, if I work, if I work Saturday and Sunday, I can get double time and I got these other bills coming up. And well, if I just miss a couple Sundays at church because I can get double time, then I could pay off these other bills and then I'll be able to put more into the tithe and offerings. That's a good idea, right? Or you could give your time to God and talk about the testimony of where all this money keeps coming from. Brother Joe was talking about, he was telling us, <coughs> he was, I go to tell a testimony and I start coughing. He was telling us this last weekend in Oklahoma, those of you that don't know, he had a, a large six-figure salary at the hospital. Uh, he was the CFO of a large hospital system in Louisiana. He walked away from it to go full-time ministry. He's not the head pastor of a church. He's an evangelist. So if people aren't inviting him to come to their church, then they're not paying him. So shortly thereafter, so he left, he paid off his cars. Um, he said he made more last year in one year after leaving his high, his high salary job. He made more last year than he ever has in his life in one year. He paid off his house just a couple. When he was here, he said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to write a check. He said, it doesn't make sense. He has a whole sermon series about God does impossible math. It's the background on his phone, on his iPads, on his computer. God does impossible math. He said every time that he would go to pay something or write a check or something, the money was there and then enough for groceries and stuff. And the money was there and the money was there. He said, I'd look at my bank account. Like, I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know where that comes from. So when we try to do things on our own and we go, yes, I would love to be out of debt because I'd be able to, you know, put more into my church and help out more and I'd be able to do this and more tithes and more offerings and more whatever the case is. But we try to do it on our own and we say, okay, I mean, I can work double time. I could make all this extra money, but I have to sacrifice coming to the house of the Lord. God is not going to do that. He's not going to vindicate. He's not going to support your decision when you're making the decision on your own. 
We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And people go, oh, well, that's only in big decisions. Brother Branham talks about a time that he was supposed to get on a plane and God's like, start walking. And he literally is like, turn here, turn there, turn here. And he ran into the woman that he called her like a modern day Shunammite woman. And then he's like, I'm going to miss my plane. I can't be out here this long. I'm going to miss my plane. And then after he gets done and prays for her son, he still didn't miss his plane. We don't understand how God can do things. God stopped the earth from turning for Joshua. And guess what? No ocean. You know what keeps the oceans in, in, their, in their area? Traveling at 280,000 miles an hour, spinning in a massive circle. If it ever stopped, if we ever stopped, everything should fall over. Literally, everything on earth should just fall over. You ever been on like a merry-go-round, and then as soon as it stops, you step off and you kind of keep going. Everything should still do that. So it talks about, you know, the Bible talks about he stopped the sun from, but we know the earth was spinning, and for it to stop, everything should have fell over. Not just fell over, you should have then been thrown at 280,000 miles an hour. Oceans should have left their banks and flooded whole countries. But because Joshua needed it, and he seeked God first, and he seeked the kingdom first. So we look at these things and we go, man, I really need this. I really need that. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to work more. I'm going to do more. I got to, I got to go do this. And it's my vacation. If I don't, if I feel like taking vacation over a Sunday, then I'm going to take vacation. Most of my vacation in the past almost three years has been to travel to another church, to go listen, to go to a meeting. And that's what I enjoy doing. I enjoy going and seeing God move, not just in our assembly, but in other assemblies and see him moving in such mighty ways. And then we go, well, brother Sam just preached about that. And I know they haven't talked to each other. Well, he just, there, there's, he's struggling with the same thing that I was struggling with. Cause the same God that's here this morning is the same God that's in Noel, Missouri that's the same God that's in Menden, Louisiana. And if you could ever get, there was shortly after we started coming to this church, there was a couple weeks between messages I had listened to other people, places we had traveled. It was almost like they were all sequential to the next message. And we traveled from here to Texas to Oklahoma for a little while, and they were just all like they just picked up where the last minister stopped. So when we see God doing these things, how can we put anything over God, yet we do on a regular basis? When you start looking at your phone and then all you're like, I'll read my Bible after I check my Facebook. I'll, I'll read my Bible after I look at a couple reels on Instagram or something. I'll go to church in a minute. And you go, Matt, I don't have that problem. Next time you pull out your cell phone to do anything other than make a call or shoot a text message, see how long you end up getting stuck on it. 
when you go to turn a, a television show on, see how fast you hit next on that on Netflix, and you just all of a sudden you've been binge watched four hours of some show. But then when you sit down to read your Bible, watch how fast you want to fall asleep. I don't care if it's first thing in the morning. Satan wants to keep you out of here because this is where the truth lies. There's a reason why he wants to keep you out of this and out of this church. Not just this church, but the church that's speaking the truth. We just read that if anything is preached other than what this says, let them be accursed. Anything by anybody. 1959, June 28th, morning service, a deceived church by the world. Paragraph 16, and there's no need for any man to try to take his worldly knowledge and ever please God with it. It's an abomination in the sight of God. You'll never please God with the worldly ambitions and knowledge because it's enmity to God. Says the scripture, he cannot do it. And each one tries to have all the knowledge. They know just what to do and the words to say, and it becomes just a political speech in the stead of a powerly, of a powerly demonstrated Holy Spirit message that sinks in the heart of man and discovers his sins. They trained for political talks, and we don't need that. Paul said the word come to us not only or the gospel in word only, but through the power and the manifestation of the Holy Ghost that brought the gospel, demonstrating the powers of the Holy Ghost. But all these men go off to seminaries and they learn and they learn great educations, how they must stand before the people, how they must present themselves, how they must dress, how they must act. They should never use the wrong grammar. Now, that's all right for a political speech, but we're not after the enchanting words of man. Paul said the gospel that I preach didn't come like that, but it come through the renewing of the Holy Ghost and the power of demonstrations. Doesn't come by a right form speech that, that your wisdom would be or your trust would be in the wisdom of man, but it come through the demonstrations of the power of the risen Christ. That's the gospel to know him in the power of his resurrection. That was in 1959. Seminaries have not changed. They've only gotten worse. You have to, they teach psychology and uh, psychiatry, sociology, business administration, because the world looks at a successful church as how many people are there and how many people are paying tithes? How much money are you making? I would be a successful preacher if I have my own planes and, and trains and helicopters. And I read a book and I was, I've told some people about it and it was the ethics and aesthetics of black televangelism. Horribly hard to read book. The man that wrote it had a doctorate degree, and he used every $20 word he could find. It's so hard to read, but you start reading, and some of them, there were preachers that they would come through the back door like that to walk up to the platform, and the deacons had to surround them like bodyguards because they said that if anybody touches me, they'll steal my anointing. I never found that in here. The closest I found is when uh, 
people would come and like the lady with the issue of blood and she touched Jesus and he said, virtue flowed out of me. And if you've never been in that situation, um, prayer lines or praying for somebody and putting your hand on them, you can feel that flow out of you, but it's not your anointing. You're anointed for a work. You can't run out of anointing. God anointed you and he put you in this place, in that place, and wherever he has you so that you can do a work. You don't just run out of anointing. It's not like you got to be like, okay, well, I can only pray for three minutes for Aaron because that'll take, that'll take so many milliliters and then I'll have this much left. Okay, Aaron, come up real fast. You ready? Got him. You're not going to run out of the Holy Ghost. Okay? It doesn't leak out. You don't got holes in the soles of your feet. You're not going to run out of the Holy Ghost. Back to 2 Timothy. So seminaries are now teaching business administration, business management, to run the church like a Fortune 500 company. They want to run it to where you get more people in. The more people, the more money's put in the offering plate, put in the box, however that church does it. The more money you have, the more successful you will be. But part of that comes back to what we are talking about. You can't offend people. You can't tell the truth. The word is like a two-edged sword. It cuts deep to the very marrow. Sometimes you'll read something and it won't even be from a preacher. You'll just be reading through your Bible and you'll hit something and you go, that one hurt. That hurt. Something that you're struggling with, something that's going on in your life, something that that you might see something that you do, somebody that you've talked to, somewhere that you turn as we should all have somebody that we can turn to to talk to because I might understand something that Sam doesn't understand and Sam might have a revelation of a scripture that I don't understand and he can explain it to me and I should be able to take that even though that he is only 11, God has put something on his heart that he can explain to me in terms that I can understand it. So we all have people that we can turn to. We all have people that we hold in, in high regard, hold to, but if they are not explaining it the way that this is explaining it, if they're like, oh, well, you don't understand, that was only a metaphor for that day. That was only this for that day. That was, Paul got a little off his, uh, off his teaching when he wrote, we just read in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is given by inspiration. So now let's go down to uh, 2 Timothy 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables.
this church that we're currently sitting in, standing in, obviously has electricity. It has fans. The pews are a little old. It was built in 1901. Um, at one time, it was the oldest one-room church west of the Mississippi. L oldest and biggest, still in use west of the Mississippi. We got this church through impossible math. And that Fellowship Hall, and I mean, all of this, the way that it came about, though, was because somebody in the United Methodist Church, way up top, stopped reading Second Timothy, and they said, we got to keep everybody happy. The LGBTQ community, you got to keep them happy. That's more people that we can have come in our church. Yes, we need to talk to those people. We need to show those people the truth. But we do not need to change our standards and our doctrine to preach from up here to make them happy. Shortly after we got, they came and they talked to us and, and we they moved out and we, you know, we, we started using the church more. I'm flipping through Instagram and a UMC, United Methodist Church, person standing behind a pulpit. I ain't even going to use a, the word. A transgender person talking about how the church needs to change. Saw one the other day talking about how drag is holy. There's there's sex of, it wasn't Methodist. I don't know what it was. Hopefully they were some off-the-wall non-denomination that is unto themselves. But he was talking about how because Jesus refers to himself as a mother hen trying to gather up his chicks, that that makes drag holy. On the same lines as that, there was a preacher that was saying something like that. I wouldn't call him a preacher. I don't even know what he was. There was a man standing behind a pulpit saying stuff like that, and their church got struck by lightning and all power went out. And his first thought was, that's not a sign from God. No, it is. It is. He's giving you an opportunity to get back into sincerity and truth. Because when you move away from this, when you start saying, oh, well, that offends me, so I, wanna, I, 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 I want somebody to tell me only the happy parts. And you turn your ears from truth. You shall be turned into fables. You will be used as an example is what not to do. Look at how many times that there were. We go back to those evangelists of the day that they were on top of the world. Everybody loved them. Everybody knew them. And then when that fall from grace happened, because they turned their eyes and they turned their ears away from truth because they got so big, it's what they had to say. 
So you look at those people and you go, now, wait a minute. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Everybody knows what happened there, right? Right? There's tons of them. And there's more and more. And if you keep looking, it's still happening today. And nobody's learning from the examples or from the fables, from the stories of what happened to other people when they turned away. So choose today. Choose this day. Are you going to serve the truth? Or are you going to go your own way and say, well, I don't really like what Matt said. I don't really like that preacher. I don't like that his beard's so long. I don't like that the pulpit's not bigger. I want the pulpit to, you know, be, it's got to have a cross up here somewhere. You can see through it. He keeps propping his foot up on it. The carpet's not the right color for me. The pews are a little faded. I don't care if the only place that was preaching the truth was in the middle of a cornfield and it's raining. You got to go where the truth is being preached. Even if it's against your own comforts and everything, well, I don't deserve that. I am a well-educated man. Do you know what I've done for this country? Do you know what I sacrificed? You got to treat me better than that. Our pride is the biggest thing that comes in between us and our fellowship with Jesus, us and our fellowship with one another. We've talked about it before, and I, we, we were talking about it that Wednesday, a couple Wednesdays ago, that if Jesus was standing in the flesh, if he stood right here and said, everybody that comes up, bring your need and I'll take care of it, Nobody in their right mind would sit in their pew. So if Jesus was sitting beside you to fellowship, you were like, oh, well, I don't really like how he's dressed. I don't like that his hair's so long. They didn't have barbers. They'd take their hair, they'd chop it, boom, that's how long it is. It's about that long, depending on how long your arm is, I guess how long your sword is our pride and our own vanity stands in our way more than anything else Matthew 10 14 I went way too far Once again, this is Jesus. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah day of judgment than for that city. Now, if we go back a little bit, Jesus is just sending everybody out two by two to go preach to cities. He says, only go to the Jewish cities. Don't go to Samaritan cities. Don't go to Gentile cities. Only go to the Jewish cities. We've been told to go everywhere. Talk to everybody, right? 
How many times have you, we'll say, gone out on a limb to share your testimony, to share what's going on in your life, to share how God has changed you, how you've had these things happen, and somebody tell you that it's a bunch of hogwash or uh, that's all fairy tales? We hear that all the time. Oh, God doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't heal people. All that ended when, when, when the canon of Scripture closed. When the, books, when the book of Acts was ended. The book of Acts never officially ended. We are a modern-day book of Acts. I mean, it's what the book of Acts is, is Acts, doings, signs, miracles, right? If we can believe, if you honestly believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means tomorrow he'll be the same, and the next day he's still the same. He cannot change. He does not lie. And he says that he gave you the power to tread on serpents, to lay hands, to cast out demons, and then somebody tells you, oh, well, the, the book of Scripture or the canon when it closed, you can't do those things anymore. You've come to the wrong place because I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. Boy from a small town in Tennessee has now got to travel the world, mostly for the Air Force. I've got to see people fighting with demon possession and see demons cast out. I've seen into that other realm a little bit to see things that are going on. The Bible says that we'll see visions, we'll have dreams. Oh, no. Visions were only for Brother Branham. These are not things that I'm making up. These are things that I've heard people say. Visions were only for that person. Visions are only for healings are only you have to have you have to be a divine healer before you can do. That's not what my Bible says. If we would only take the Bible verbatim the way that it's written. Don't try to read between lines. Don't make up your own opinion on what the scripture says. Just read it and say, I believe that. You go up just a little bit when he sends out his disciples. Verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the leopards, raise the dead. Nope, can't be... Only Jesus could raise the dead. Jesus told them to go raise the dead. Do you not think that if he tells you that you're going to do something, that you have the authority and the power to do it? When he told Peter to step out of the boat, do you not think he was he's like, Peter ain't never going to be able to walk on this water. He's going to fall as soon as he... No, you have that power and that authority through your faith in him. Choose today you want to believe and serve the one that has given you anything he said that it will never sing you begging for bread or forsaken ever you will never beg for bread you will never go hungry why do we worry about what we wear when the, the lilies just they toil not 
The birds don't worry about where their next food's coming from. Yet we go, oh man, I don't know how I'm going to do it this week. I only have a hundred bucks and it normally costs me $200 in groceries. God, I'm going to give you my hundred bucks. Not to talk about tithes, but the lady that came and, and she gave her two widow's mites. It wasn't the amount that she gave. It was the fact that she gave everything that she could give. Her last literal less than pennies, they were worthless. She gave everything she could. And God's going to bless that because she went to him first. And she said, I don't have much to offer, but what I do have, I give you. She didn't say, I'm going to give you this and expect $1,000 back from it. There's churches today that say, you give me $100 and God will pay off your house. And then when their house doesn't get paid off, he goes, you don't have enough faith. That's pretty easy. That's a good cop-out. That's a good cop-out to get a bunch of $100 and then they don't, and then they don't get anything in return because it's all about you. 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Just take it the way it's written. Don't try to read between lines. Don't try to put your own spin on it. What are the things of the world? Anything that's not of God. We'll just make it easy. The things of the world. Those are those things that, that, that draw us away from God. Those things that we are talking about that have, they're, they're not bad per se, but because we put them over God, because we put them in between us and Jesus, the love of the Father is not in you. That's pretty harsh. I don't want that. I don't want that for anybody else. I don't want to look at somebody and go, oh, God doesn't love them because he loves everybody. But when you start putting stuff over your relationship with him, you're saying, I don't love you. Those of you that are earthly fathers in here, we, we have children. How bad do you think you would feel if some if you're your only child? I'm an only child. If I went up to my dad and I said, I don't love you. Not that I don't want to spend time with you. Not that, oh, I now have a family of my own and I have to do these things. But I don't love you. I want nothing to do with you because the ball game's on. It's more important than you. Those of us that are earthly fathers know that if, if that's what it is, if all that's standing in between me and my son is maybe he wants me to coach his baseball team, we'll go back to that. I'll make time. I'll lose sleep so that I can do that to spend time with him and still be here and still study my Bible and still be able to do what God wants me to do. We go out of our way and sacrifice whatever it takes to have that relationship with our kids. So as a child of God, 
those of us that know that pain, that can imagine that pain, why would we want to give that to him? Because he gave so much more than any of us could ever give. Revelation 3, 15 and 16. Now this is a message to the Laodicea church, the church in the final state of apostasy. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Once again, Mine's written in red. So if we don't know who's talking here, these are the very words of Jesus being spoken to John while he's been exiled. A little history there. He literally says, I would rather you be fully against me or fully for me. Because then at least I know where you stand. There are too many people in the church today, not just ministers, but too many of the laity, the people that come to the church, the the congregation, if you will, that are trying to see what their best bet is. Who can give me the best offer? Getting blisters and splinters and boils from sitting on that fence. I told y'all about that preacher that said that he had he had a dream that he was sitting on this fence and on to his right side was hell and it was just horrible and Satan is standing there with some demons and to his left side is beautiful pastures green pastures flowing waters and it's Jesus and some angels and they just kind of sat there and they looked at him for a minute and they walked away. Everybody walks away, and he's just sitting there on the fence by himself. And then Satan comes back and goes, I forgot something. Let's go. And he goes, I didn't choose you. I didn't choose him, but I sure didn't choose you. And Satan said, I own the fence. There is no in-between. There is no gray area. You're in or you're out. And when, when, when you're trying to, to, to walk that tightrope of staying in between to where, oh, well, I can still do all these things that with my friends that are, I know aren't right. And I can still go to church on Sunday morning and Wednesday evening, but I'm not going to do anything else. I ain't going to do anything special. You're going to have a Saturday night meeting. I'm not coming to that. You're going to have a special singing on Friday night. I got things to do. I'll give you my couple hours a week on Sunday and on Wednesday. You get a Sunday night service, not happening. I got to get ready for work in the morning. You're either in or you're out. Jesus says that if you're lukewarm, 
that's sitting on that fence, that's standing right in the middle, one foot in and one foot out. He would rather spew you out of his mouth and have nothing to do with you. That's what that's saying. So choose today. Don't walk out of this place without making a decision. Those that are listening, those that are watching online, those that will watch way down the road whenever you stumble across this message, today is the day of choice. For those of us that are here and live, it is March 26th of 2023. For those of you that are listening that might come on later today, don't let it be any other day. In 1953, actually March 28th, 1953, Israel in the church number four, the Bible predicts that the last church age is the Laodicean church age, which is a lukewarm. And that's just as far as the church has got today. That's right. They got down to where maybe they can clap their hands a little bit and make a little noise, and jump up and kick the furniture a while, but when it comes to really living a pure, holy, unadulterated, sanctified life, they're as far as the night is from the day. That's right. What we need today is an old-fashioned dying out, brother, where it ain't got no back to the altar and get over and go back to the altar again. Go back to the altar. Go there and stay till you're dead, and then a dead man knows nothing about the world. Hallelujah. Don't want to get started on that again. Look, brother, let me tell you. There are many churches that if you were to just walk in during their praise and worship, they're jumping and shouting. There's people dancing in the front. There's all kinds of everything that he just talked about. Um, I saw a video the other day that a guy, the, the minister laid hands on somebody and the dude ran up and jumped on the pulpit, danced a minute, ran off. They had some trees and stuff back here. He ran through the trees and off into the back of the stage somewhere. But God gave us discernment. I've been in churches where people are doing stuff like that, and you're like, that ain't right. There is, that is not, that is all, that is all them and nothing else. And then if you had gone to them youth meetings this weekend, this past weekend, all the ones dancing and jumping and spinning and clapping, you could tell because God was there. It was wholeheartedly, there were some, you can see it. You can see when people are like, oh, well, he's doing it, so I got to fit in. I got to do what he's doing, so I don't look like, well, if he takes off running, I'm going to take off running. If she starts dancing, I'm going to start dancing. We have too many today that are doing that instead of just trying to wait and see what God wants them to do. I was listening to a sermon by Brother Jeremy Schreiner. He was actually in uh, Louisiana 
uh, Sunday night preaching. And uh, that's kind of what started this in the direction that it was going about choosing. But uh, he talked about that when he was young, he was like 16 or so, they were doing a church march when they were marching around the church. And uh, God told him to take off running. And he's like, I don't want to, ain't nobody else running. Do you know what they'll think of me? He was a normal teenager. I mean, we all remember being teenagers once. Some of us will be teenagers at some time. And uh, he said when, when the desire went away, he felt so empty that he just begged. He said, I was doing the march, but I just begged, God, please give me that desire again. Give it to me again, and I'll do whatever you ask me to do. But there's too many of us that when God says, get up and do it, and we don't do it, and you feel the desire leave, you go, oh, I'll do it now, I'll do it now. He's not in it when you do it of yourself. He told you to do it. You didn't do it. Now he's not in it. He's not going to bless it. He'll come back around. If you ask him to and you wholeheartedly say, Lord, I am sorry that I did not say, I did not do, I did not act the way that you told me to, give it back to me again and I'm here, send me. I was talking a while back, what was that, Wednesday, I was over here and when we when people come up for prayer and stuff, you know, I'll stand over there a lot of times. And uh, I was praying, and I was like, Lord, I'm here. Send me. And he told me to do something. And I was like, but if you need me to do anything, tell me to go. And he told me to go. And I was like, but if there's anything else that you want me to do, we do that a lot. I mean, it'll be like, yeah, open the door. And all the doors bust open if, if there's anything else. Lord, give me a sign and doors are opened and somebody that you're, you know, like my, some of my friends that I've been witnessing to, you're like, if you just, if you want me to talk to them and the door opens, and they walk in and you're like, but if there's anything else, you know, I mean, we make up all these excuses and then we go, oh, well, I'll do anything God tells me to. My first message that I ever preached was when I was in, I was deployed to Qatar off the Horn of Africa, which is actually considered Southwest Asia. That still blows my mind. Connected to this continent, but it's considered part of this continent. And uh, it was in a full gospel black church. I was literally the only white person there. I don't know if you've ever been to a full gospel black church. They have church. Okay. I will always say that. They have church. Um, You cannot sit still. I love I love when people worship God the way that God intends them to worship. So I was preaching and I was like, we had a couple, the ministers always sat on the front row right here. And I pointed at one of them and I said, if God told you, now we're in Qatar, which is a Muslim country, we're military, they don't hate us, but we're not friends. I said, if God told you to pick up your stuff and walk out and just start walking right now, would you go? And they looked at me like, well, I don't know. If if God told you, don't go back to your room and get any clothes, don't pack any money, don't take any food, don't even take an extra jacket. 
Just stand up and start walking that way. I'll tell you when to turn. And they kind of, well, I don't know, because that's what he told the disciples to do. He said, you're going to go that way. You're going to go that way. Don't take anything else. Everything will be provided when you get there. That takes a lot of faith. Yes, they were in their own country. It would be like us kind of walking here. There's still many places they do not accept us. There's many places that me as a white guy, I don't need to walk into. There's many places that I know from where I come from that y'all could not walk into. But if God told, if God told Brother Paulo to walk into Grundy County, Tennessee and start preaching the gospel. Now, most of y'all don't know. I grew up and in my lifetime, there's now two black families. There might be three. Most of my lifetime, there were no, they were still, the KKK still marched in Grundy County, Sequatchie County too, every year, Memorial Day Parade. If God told you to pack up your stuff, don't take your family, just you and somebody else. You and Brother Elias are going to walk into Grundy County and be the only two people that aren't white. We willing to do that? That's rough. That puts a whole different spin on it. But that goes back to, do you believe that if God tells me to go, I'm going to be okay? Hmm. Here it comes again. If God told Brother Sam to go to Africa to preach at these universities, I don't care if they tell him that he has to get every shot ever known to man. None of them will affect him. Wayne Lawson says that. He's like, I didn't want to get the COVID shot, but God told me to go to Africa. They say, I got to get it. I know it's not going to affect me. When God tells you to go, look at the, look at the, when the Israelites, when they, when they walked around the desert for 40 years, <clears throat> their shoes didn't even wore out, wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. I can't barely keep clothes anymore. Like my work just eats them up. My work. I mean, you talk to these boys, brother Sam and them, they're, let them do flooring or roofing for a couple of weeks, and they, they're going through boots and gloves like this. Just wear them out. And they did it for 40 years. It's pretty harsh environments in the desert, folks. It's, they're not walking around in an air-conditioned building. So if God told you to go, if God tells you to get up and walk, and that's the only thing. If God came in here in an audible voice and said, everybody get up and just start walking that way, how many of us would stay seated because we didn't believe it? Matthew 16 and 13. I'm in Matthew 6. Matthew 16 and 13.
And when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The first question that Jesus asked has nothing to do it has no effect on them. And I'm going I'm to take this right from, just so you know, this is not me. This is, I am taking this straight out of Brother Jeremy's sermon, and I'm going to just change some names. If I were to ask Charity, what does Brother Sam believe? She's known him her whole life. What does Brother Sam believe? She'd go, oh, well, he believes this and this and this, and you could almost hear what she'd, well, uh, you know, Little Sam, what does Brother Sam believe? Oh, well, I mean, I, he just, you know, he believes that God sent a prophet. and he Go through the whole thing, okay? But then Jesus goes, okay, what do you believe? As Brother Sam says, that puts you in a wheelbarrow. The first question had no effect on them. What do others say? Who do others say that I am? Oh, well, they say all these things. And then when he goes, well, who do you say I am? We'll twist that a little bit. Who do you say that I am to others? I have a coworker. I've told y'all about him. He had prostate cancer. He's going through all kinds of stuff. Uh, when I first met him two years ago, January 4th of 2021, he is nowhere near the same man that he was this past weekend or past week. Monday, he said, how was your weekend? Well, I can't keep it to myself. I told him about the meetings that we had in Pawnee. And he said, that is amazing. I mean, he was, you could see his, his face lit up and he was so excited and he wasn't even there. But I just told him what I saw from a first-hand account. And he's like, that's amazing. Man, that's so good, this and that. And he's like, we serve an awesome God. This is a man that used to cuss like a sailor. Everything was bad. His oldest son committed suicide right before Christmas. Right after that, his best friend or something. Or a year earlier, his best friend. And then around the same time that his son did, his best friend's ex-wife. Widow, I guess you would say, not ex-wife. Something like that. I mean, it was just one thing after another. And I, when I was talking to him and he said, I mean, it's your oldest son committed suicide. The tow truck driver said the situation was so bad that he wasn't even allowed to go back and take the things, personal belongings out of the car. The tow truck driver said I will, he did it in a car. The tow truck driver over the phone said, if there's anything that you can think of, I will get it out for you. I don't want you to see that. And then they prayed. The tow truck driver said, you mind if I pray with you? So I'm talking to my friend, Dave. And he said, but goods come out of it. And I'm like, if anybody can say, my son did this in a car and nobody knew that he was hurting that bad, but goods come out of it, God's got to be in it. 
for him to even say that, but he has a closer relationship with the rest of his kids. They've been getting together. They've been spending more time together. Uh, and he said, I knew that my son was hurting. I, I wish that he had told me, you know, because he's not hurting anymore. Dave's not hurting anymore because he met Jesus. It might have been a road to Damascus meeting, but he met him. But he sees the joy in even these bad things. And I mean, that's what my Bible says. My Bible says that there will be joy. But we have a bad problem of not seeing the joy. So when other people say, oh, I hear you go to that church over there in Bentley. And you go, yeah, you know, I really like it. We've been going there for. X amount of time now and uh, tell the testimony of the church because it's great and it blesses people and how it blessed other people and how it's going all over the world. I mean, it's just such a great thing. Well, I mean, what is what, what do they believe? Okay, well, you know, this is what they believe. And they go, well, do you believe that? Do you believe what they preach? Do you believe that Brother Branham was a prophet? Do you believe? that it's vindicated, do you believe? And you go, oh, well, wait a minute. I mean, I didn't, I just, I haven't been going there that long and, you know, I haven't studied it enough for myself and you're in the wheelbarrow. We're in the wheelbarrow now. You're the one that has to vouch. Are you going to step up like Simon Peter and say, you're Christ. You're the son of the living God. He was asking everybody, and one person said something. Psalms 121. See, y'all thought I was only going to stay in the New Testament for the rest of the time. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. There's that little three-letter word again. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. What was left out? What was left out? Eight verses. I should have counted the words. There is nothing left out, yet we still on a daily basis choose to not put this person first. I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not just up here trying to bash y'all down and beat y'all up. I told Erica, that's my wife on the way here, uh, the Lord willing, we will have, when Brother Sam goes to Africa, um, I feel that I'm going to preach on the gifts of the Spirit. So it won't be as, we'll have a little bit more uplifting I've been struggling with this a lot because it seems like a lot of the sermons that I bring, that God gives me to bring 
um, aren't on the, I wouldn't say positive side because everything's positive in here, but they, uh, they really shed a lot of light into the darkness. And, uh, when I first, so I got called to be a preacher at 16. I ran away from it for a long time. And then here recently I was asked, where do you feel that your ministry's going? I feel that I'm going to be an evangelist of some sort. Uh, it might only be here in America. It might be worldwide. I don't know. I don't know. And, uh, I started looking into that on what what it means to be an evangelist, what it means to almost, I don't care about the title, but kind of what they, and uh, evangelists spark life. They spark that, that fire, that little spark that's in people that Satan likes to try to snuff out. Uh, evangelists come and they spark that up and, uh, help bring revival back to the church and then give it to the pastor and say, now it's yours. See you later. Everybody's really excited. See you later. Uh, and I kind of feel like that's where a lot of my, especially a couple Wednesdays ago, that's kind of where, where we've been going, but we are going to have, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> we'll see how far I get into it. But I just want everybody to know, I'm not trying to beat everybody up, but I want you to shed light and examine yourself and look at yourself on, is there anything that I am putting in between me and Jesus? Because you got to think, even if you just, if the gap is this big and I take one thing out and now the gap's a little bit closer. Oh, well, I've been struggling with this and we just... And then eventually, when you're here, then you really know. When you really know, and there's nothing in between you and him, and you're just that close to a body change, there's stuff there. There's stuff there in all of us. So why do we choose anything else over Psalms 121? Nineteen fifty-eight, January twenty-eighth. The oneness of unity. Paragraph forty-eight. This is a choosing time. You cannot stand neutral any longer. You may leave before the message is over, but you cannot go out that door the same person you come in. That's right. You'll cross the threshold tonight, either a better person or a more evil person than you was when you entered. You cannot help it. It's up to you to make a decision. Now notice, it's a choosing time. You can't be neutral. It's a choosing time. You must choose you this day whom you are going to serve. The devil has presented many things glamorous that you can choose if you wish to. You can't remain the way you are because you got to be if you're empty. Nobody under the sound of my voice 
is going to leave this message whenever they listen to it, the same person. And if you do, it's still a choice. You've made that decision. If you're here in this room and you walk out one of these doors and you walk out the same person that walked in, you made the decision to not follow Jesus and to not change into his image. Even if you just walk out with the decision, Lord, I know that there's something there. I pray that you just, you bring it up. You show me whatever it is. I talked to multiple people before we went to camp or at camp, but I asked them because I was curious, what was last night's service like? Talking about Wednesday night. What was Wednesday night service to you? The common answer, it was like a cleansing. We're talking about from multiple states, from all across America, God moved not just in our Wednesday night service. Anybody that was here, I dare you to deny that God was moving. But multiple places, Missouri and Virginia and other places, we had people from Alabama. They said, oh, Wednesday night was like a, it's like he just took a scouring pad and just cleans, cleaned us from the inside out. So even if you just say, Lord, I know it's going to be painful. Show it to me. I'll give it to you. Let's get it out so that I can have a better relationship with you. So that I can be closer to you. So that I can see you when we go places. That I can see you in other people. That I can I can be that Mark 16. <clears throat> I, can, I can stand up boldly for you no matter who is standing opposing me. No matter whether it's my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. Whether it's the pastor of the church that I currently go to. You got to think not all of us here will say that Brother Sam is our pastor. We got a couple visitors. We got people listening online. We got people that will come up to us through a podcast later on, they go to other churches. They might've just stumbled on us at some point and all they hear is they have to make a choice too. Even if you, somebody that you hold in high regard, the, I mean, you respect them more than you respect yourself. And they tell you that all of this is witchcraft. All of this is a cult, whatever the case is. Are you willing to stand firm on this? That's still a choice. Choose today before you walk out of these doors. John 6, and I'm going to close on this. I don't know how long that closing might take afterwards, but I'm going to close on this. John 6 and 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe 
and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So I ask you today to make this choice. I ask you today, if not this, and I'm not saying this church, this church building, this this congregation, if not the truth, biblical truth, then where are you going to go? I know those of us that have been coming here for a little while, we've seen things that you cannot deny, whether it be in that building, whether it be in this building. I didn't get to go to the Halstead building. There are too many things that we cannot deny that Christ was here in the middle of. So if not this, then what? I have nowhere else to go. Where else are you going to go and hear the truth? It might hurt sometimes. I know that I've stood up here and I've preached and I just felt like I just I should have just put a mirror right here and nobody else existed. It was just to me. It hurts sometimes. It hurts to make this choice a lot of times because this choice is going to do just like that and people are going to walk away. Those that you thought were your friends, those that are actually blood relatives, you got to choose between them and what they say or this and what Jesus says. That's a hard place to be. That's a hard, hard point to, that's a hard hill to stand on. To choose friends and family or a bunch of, a bunch of almost strangers that you've only, you only see a couple times a week, but this is what we're choosing and what's in here. I don't care if not a one of y'all showed up today. I don't care if it was just me and that camera. I'm still going to preach the message that God gives me. I don't care if the camera fell off the wall and it was just the sound. I really don't care if I'm just standing in an empty room talking to myself. If God told me to come here and preach this message today, then I'm going to stand here and I'm going to preach this message just the same as if there was 500 people in here or nobody in here. Because God told me to. God told me to move. God told me to say this. God told me to to bring out these scriptures. And, and I, I mean, I know that it's going to step on toes. And I'm not sorry about it because somebody somewhere has to make this choice. I know that for me, I'm making a choice before I walk out of this church today. I want to have a closer relationship with him. I want to have so close of a relationship with him as people don't know where I where I end and he begins and where he ends and I begin. I want people to say he's been with Jesus. If that's not what you want, then you're making a choice. 
That's your choice today, that you don't want to be that close to Jesus that people look at you and go, she's been with Jesus. I want people to look at me and go, are you happy in everything? Why do you all, like look like you're honestly glowing? I don't know. Because I got Jesus. I want to be the same person when none of y'all are around and I'm at work by myself that I am here. You should not have more boldness to talk amongst believers than you do against unbelievers. If God puts them in your path, it's because he sees that seed inside of them and he's like, you got to water it, Joseph. Well, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to say anything that they might not be my friend anymore. Every week at co-op, Where's that boldness come in? Are you willing to be that bold? Are you willing to not just do it to your friends, your family, or your friends, people that you might see, coworkers, whatever, but are you willing to do it with the people that are sitting beside you right now, the people that live inside of your own house? All of us here have relatives that are not currently in this room. Some of us here have relatives that are only a couple miles away. Are you willing to take a stand for Jesus and be bold enough to tell them you've made a choice? Today is the day of choosing. Today. Don't let it go by. Don't walk out of these doors without making a choice. We stand in the gap for our loved ones. But do you realize how much more and how many more blessings they could get if they would enter into his presence too? So make a choice. Let's close in prayer. Aaron, if you want to come up to sing some songs, go ahead and head up this way. Father, I thank you for using me again here this morning to share your word. I pray that everybody that is under the sound of my voice takes this word and, and, and makes a choice today. Today is the day of choosing. There is no in-between. There is no middle ground. I pray, Lord, that, that, that they see that. I ask you, Jesus, to just move on their hearts and let them see what you had in store for them, each and every one, that this message was was for them, that, that they need to make a choice. They know that choice. I ask, Lord, that you bring that up in their heart. You, you show them, bring it to the forefront of their mind and let them make that choice today before they leave this room, wherever they're sitting, wherever they're listening to me at. Let them make that choice. And I pray, Lord, that that choice is for you. That choice is for truth. I thank you, Lord, for each and every one that's here. I thank you for giving them the, the health and the, the safe traveling graces to come here, to be in your presence. I know that they did not come to just see me preach. 
they came to see you, and I pray, Lord, that you, you touch their needs today in a way that only you can. I thank you, Lord, for this assembly. I thank you for not just this church building, but the, the, the souls that are here and how they have each blessed me and what they have brought me and my family out of and into. And I just, I ask, Lord, that you 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 show everyone that they cannot stay stagnant any longer. Like Brother Jeremy said, the road ahead demands it. They have to make this choice because we are always moving forward. We cannot stay still. And I thank you, Lord, for moving this assembly, this church, this this group of people forward and doing not just impossible math, but impossible travel and bringing people together that would never be together in any other way. I thank you, Lord. I cannot express that enough. I ask that th this word not fall on deaf ears. I ask that each and every one take it with them. Bless them, Lord. Let them let them just water this message, water this seed that's been planted. Let it grow in their life to flourish and make good fruit. Give everyone, each and every one that is here, safe travels as they go back home. Be with them until we meet again. Let them come Wednesday so that they can experience your presence even more and again and again and again. We deserve nothing that you have done for us in this church, but we thank you more and more each and every day. I thank you for showing up and being here with us over and over again. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.